right, welcome back to Become a Calm Mama. I am your host, Darlene Childress, and today I'm going to take on the topic of picky eating and peaceful dinners. My hope for you in this episode is that you walk away with a few new tricks in your mom bag in order to create more peaceful dinners. I'm going to help you set that up, set yourself up for success, and then how to help picky eaters. What I want you to take away from this podcast is that you as the parent, what you are responsible for is what your kids eat, when your kids eat, and where they eat. But your kid is in charge of how much they eat and whether or not they eat. So again, you are responsible for like what? Like you serve the food, you buy the food, you are the person who has the money and has the car and has the, you know, knows how to get to the grocery store. You are the person who decides what is served. You are the adult. It's your home. You get to decide when food is served and then where it is eaten. And then you're, so you're creating, I always say that our job as parents is to give access and opportunity to our children. And then it's their job to take us up on those access and that opportunity So the same with food, we're going to provide food, we're going to lay it out, and we're going to allow our children to make decisions within the limit of what we are willing to allow. The thing that I want you to understand is that when you are more neutral about how much your child eats or whether or not they eat, it will create more emotional freedom for your child will become less charged and they will be able to follow their own cues and learn to eat, you know, for themselves. That is their journey. Just like when I talked about sleep, it's your child's journey is to figure out how to fall asleep and stay asleep. Your child's job is also with food is how to recognize their food cues, how to meet their, you know, how to um, satisfy their hunger and then get the right energy to, to live their lives. This is their long-term journey, is their relationship with food. So our job, again, is access and opportunity. What our kids are eating, when they're eating, and where they're eating. You are the leader of your family. You get to decide what foods you buy, what you prepare, what you serve, when food is eaten, where it is eaten. When you're meal planning, this is how I want you to be thinking about things. I want you to be thinking about considering what you are providing, but not catering to your children. So what is I, what do I mean by that, right? We're going we're gonna to consider what it is that our kids like, but we're not going to cater. We're not going to make specific meals just for them. Let me get into the strategies, the tips that will help create more peace for you around having, you know, your kids consistently say, I don't like that. I don't want to eat that. I don't, yeah, I want cereal instead. That's not what I asked for. These are the kind of problems that parents have, that moms have, is that their kids are really, you know, selective and they don't want to eat what we provide. And then we say, okay, fine, I'll make you chicken nuggets instead. Or we look at a recipe and we're like, oh, my kids aren't going to eat that. So I'm not going to make it. I'm going to, you know, make myself that food and I'm going to make my kids this separate food. If that works for you and you 
are fine with it, like fine. I'm not telling you what to do. <laughs> but if you want to change that and you want to make one meal that and and have a family dinner where you just put food on the table and then your kids learn to eat what is in front of them, this is the strategy for that. So how do we do that? The first one is I want you to start practicing eating your meals with your child, making these meals social and pleasant. Because the family table, it's not just about getting fed. It's also about these other social and emotional and cultural values that we have with food. And I know it's really tempting to just, you know, make a, make the kids something quick, make chicken nuggets, make like, you know, bagel pizzas or whatever, and mac and cheese and give it to them. And then easy peasy, I'll eat later or I'll eat with my partner. And I noticed that I had this habit when my kids were little because they ate so early and my husband worked late and I was like, you know, not sure what to do and I couldn't push the meal so late. But I also really wanted to create a family that we sat at the table and we ate together. And even though my husband wasn't home, I wanted that value. I wanted that family dinner. That was one of my personal parenting goals. And so that meant that I needed to start eating with my kids. So when I would cook a meal, I would cook a meal where I would, you know, consider what they liked or didn't like and, you know, and accommodate for some of that. Like if my son doesn't, like my husband, he doesn't like cucumbers. He hates them. So I kind of tend to not cook with, I don't have cucumbers. Or if I do use cucumbers, they're on the side. I'm considerate, but I'm not necessarily catering to my husband's preferences all of the time, right? Because I'm the one who's making the food. I'm, I'm cautioning you against making special food just for one kid. <clears throat> now I know I have, I had a picky eater and, um, the strategies that I'm teaching you help your picky eater learn to be attracted to eating the other food. But what I do know is if you always serve a separate meal to the picky eater, they won't have the opportunity to grow and become a less restrictive eater. So we're, we're instead of um, making special meals just for one kid, I want you to, like I said, adopt this idea of consider, but don't cater. So what does that mean? I think of it like this. I'm always going to have on the table something that my picky eater will eat, like bread, right? or crackers or something. And I'm going to make them part of what is available to everybody. So it's not like this is your special meal that's set aside for just you. It's like this is what is available to everybody and you get to take whatever you want from the table. Now, what this means is that we're going to be plattering our food instead of plating it. So this is like a family style meal versus restaurant style. Now, what that means is you make, say you make macaroni and cheese even, right? And then you put the macaroni and cheese, the, the pot, the pan, or, you know, transfer it to a bowl or whatever on the table. And then everybody gets to serve themselves onto their plate. Listen, I know this is super annoying because it is so much easier to be at the stovetop and to deliver, like serve up the kids the food and like portion it and everything and then put it in front of them. But what that does is it doesn't help your child recognize that they have control and power over what they're eating and how much they're eating. 
So maybe you don't platter every night. I don't want you to feel like pressure, but I do want you to think of it as a goal to work towards to have some times where you platter the food instead of plating it. It puts the control into the hands of your kids. And it also teaches them how to serve food and how to pass food and how to like create that family style meal that you maybe, you know, that if that's your goal, this is how you do it. Because children, they learn to like new food by seeing it on the table again and again and again. So for example, maybe it's green beans and you put green beans on the table and they get to take green beans or not take green beans, right? You don't make them. There's no like forced bite here. There's no, you know, you have to take, you have to take at least one or whatever it is. You just kind of offer the food and, you know, you make it taste really good and you eat it and you enjoy it and you're sitting there with them. And then over time, the idea is that they will also take some green beans. That's the theory there. I'm going to talk specifically about how to um, teach pick if you have someone who's a picky eater and, and how to set limits around that. But for the most part, most kids aren't that picky once they have been exposed to a lot of different food. And so we're going to put that food out in front of them so they see it and then they're making a choice, yes or no. Kids are naturally inquisitive. Remember that ages, you know, three to five, they want, they're like deciding, am I good or bad? And like, they want to mimic the adults around them and they want to be good, quote unquote. And so they might take food because they're like, this is what grownups do. And I'm going to do it like the grownups and I'm going to be quote unquote good. We don't say that, but that's what they're thinking. And then we have the ages five to 12 and they're trying to decide, am I capable? And so we're saying, you know, Capable means being willing to eat all sorts of food and being open to new things and being able to try new things. And so you want to trust that the inquisitive, curious, you know, that your child is desiring to become a a healthy eater, like a well-rounded eater. So we want to trust that that's happening, trust that that's possible and expose them to lots of food. Now, when you say, Uh, Would you like some green beans? Ew, gross. I don't want green beans. That's so disgusting. Yuck. Why would you even eat that? Okay. We want to teach our children to say, no, thank you, when they don't want a food. So when they, if they start to say things like that, you can pause and you can turn to them and say, it's okay to not want to eat something. You can say, no, thank you, and choose something else from the table. So let's practice. Again, so-and-so, do you want green beans? No, thank you. Okay, great. So we want to teach them how to, these manners, right? If they say they aren't hungry, you can just say, that's okay. You can go back to playing once you've sat and kept us company for a few minutes. And then when they leave the table, then, you know, like they leave the table. I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat any of this. Okay. You can leave after a few minutes. You know, I'm going to teach, uh, one of the, the strategies that I offer is to light a candle at the beginning of the meal. And that signifies that we're all sitting at the table. And then when the candle goes out, that's when the meal is over. So you can say, you can sit here as long as the candle is lit. And once the candle is, once I blow the candle out, you can go. So you have them sit for a few minutes, you know, even if they're three or four, maybe the candle's only lit for like three minutes and you still stay there. That's fine. 
Then I want you to learn though that your child leaves the table and you say, okay, no problem. You can eat at the next meal time. And that way you don't have them come back and we know you've already wrapped it all up and they say, oh, I'm so hungry now. Oh yeah, dinner's over. You can, you can eat meal. You can eat something at the next meal. That, that's why I always had like a before bed snack. It was kind of a rescue snack in some ways to cover if, if somebody, you know, refused to eat or they weren't hungry at 530 or whatever time it was. I would usually do right before bed, just work with my routine, um, you know, a piece of uh, toast with butter or, you know, a cheese stick or apple and peanut butter. I would kind of do a before bed snack, especially because I could tell that my kids really needed some small thing before bed to help them sleep. And, but you don't have to do that. You could just say, well, dinner's over, especially if you serve dinner at, you know, 6.30 or 7. Um, you know, dinner time's over, but we'll have a big breakfast. And I want you to know it's okay for your children to have that hungry feeling in their belly. That is a big way to learn that it it's good to eat when food is available, right? Not to like not listen to their cues, but in general, if you schedule your snack and meal times at times that your child is actually hungry, then they will be hungry at the meal. That's why it is helpful if you have some sort of schedule or some sort of um, limitation about when food is served. And so it's, you know, we would always have like after school snack, you know, right around 3, 3.30, and it would be like, you know, fruit or, you know, maybe, maybe like a, you know, a half of a bagel or something like that. So they'd have an after school snack and then we'd eat dinner between five, around 5.30, 5.36. And then when they were really little, I would have a before bed snack because they didn't eat that much at that meal. Um, and that before bed snack would be right around seven, you know, 7.15, something like that. If you keep the snacks to what is, what are you providing for snack? Like instead of like, well, what do you want? Do you want a granola bar? Do you want crackers? Do you want an apple? I really want you to be the leader with food. I want you to say, this is what I'm offering for snack. Take it or leave it. This is what I'm offering for dinner. Take it or leave it. Knowing that there's another meal coming, right? There's always another meal coming. Another strategy I have is how to get kids to the table right? So what parents will often do is they'll just come in and they'll say to their kids, you know, they're playing, kids are playing or they're watching their tablet or they're, you know, playing outside. And it's like, come in for dinner or dinner's ready. Come on to the table. And there's no transition between play and eating. And your child, that's why a lot of times we have like behavior issues at the table because they keep playing. They haven't transitioned into you know, sitting down and, and okay, now it's time to eat. And this is what a different behavior is expected. So I really like to have children set the table or be included in setting the table or taking those platters from the kitchen, you know, the bowl of macaroni and cheese or whatever it is, or silverware and putting them on the table. You don't have to be super fancy with this. You could just be like, can you get four forks out and put them on the table? Can you grab four napkins? Can you get some water cups? Or, or even just fill up your own water cup, right? Everybody can fill up their own water cup. You, you fill up your water cup and then sit down. 
Anything that you do that helps your transition your child from play to eating is helpful and like a little bit of work there is good. The other thing I notice is when we, you know, we don't give our kids the, this time between play and, and get sitting down at the table. So there's a lot of parenting strategies that say, you know, give a warning like, okay, we're going to be eating in five minutes or you need to set the table in five minutes. What I've noticed is that kids, they just go, uh-huh, <laughs> right? They're not really connected to what you're saying. It's like, wah, 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 wah. I coach parents to say, would you like to eat now or in five minutes? So you're asking a question, or would you like to set the table now or in five minutes? When you ask the brain a question, it is so much more likely to stop and make a decision. And when the brain makes a decision, I'm going to do something in five minutes. Then when you come back and you say, oh, it's been five minutes, the brain is ready to do that thing. It's pre-decided it's going to do that thing. Isn't that cool? When do you give this question? Five minutes before you want the thing to happen because most of the time they, your child's going to pick in five minutes. The funny thing is that I was doing this for so many years that my kids would be like, I'll just do it now. <laughs> they eventually knew that they were going to do it no matter what. So then they would just do it then and they would transition themselves before I would even have to come back and say, it's been five minutes. No. Um, so going to your kids and saying, you know, do you want to eat now or in five minutes? Do you want to set the table now or in five minutes? And then when they come in and you say, it's been five minutes, give them a little bit of time to finish up whatever they're doing, wrapping it up, and then giving them a little job. You can sit at the table once you've put this on the, on the table. You can sit at the table once you've gotten the forks out. You can sit at the table once you've, you know, gotten the candle you know, put the candle on the table, whatever your, your pattern is. And it pulls your children in and it, it helps their brain transition into, into eating, which is, which is really important. The other strategy I wanted to give you is that, um, just like enjoying your own food. So like making food that tastes good to you and then talking about like whether you, when you like something like, oh my God, I have not made this recipe in so long. I love, like, I love the way these carrots taste. Like I put a little bit of maple syrup on them and they're a little bit sweet and it's so yummy. Um, not to be like, Ooh, these are so good. You're going to want it kid. I don't want you to bribe your children or to coax them or manipulate them. I want you to generally talk about why you like something, right? Your general genuine appreciation of the food. Other fun things are to just break it up, you know, having a picnic outside or, you know, setting it up in the living room sometimes, just kind of making food a little bit more interesting and making meals more interesting. Now, how do you handle it if there is like uh, mayhem at the table, right? So I, I had a rule, like not a limit, but like a rule, like no toys at the table. That was just a rule I had. And so if there were toys at the table, um, I would say, you know, I'm going to hold on to this toy and I'm happy to give it back to you once dinner is over. I didn't need to make a big deal of it. If they forgot or they had a little car in their hand or they had a stuffed animal or 
you know, whatever it is, I would, you know, just say, oh, no toys at the table. And I would, you know, say, I'm going to hold on to this until after the meal and I'll give it back to you. Some people say, like, if you have a real picky eater, picky eater, picky eater, that they can bring a doll or stuffed animal and then they can pretend to feed the doll or stuffed animal at the table. If you want to do that, that's fine. But that was just one of my rules. So no toys at the table. And then, so I was, you know, or you're welcome to sit at the table as long as there are no toys. You're welcome to be at this table as long as there are no problems. You're welcome to sit at this table as long as your bottom is on the, on the chair happy to serve dessert as long as there are no, there's no problems at dinner. Um, you're welcome to eat this pasta as long as you're using your fork, <laughs> right? And so these little limits are telling your children what is allowed and the conditions, right? I'm happy to serve a sweet treat after dinner as long as there's no fighting at the table. Are those connected? Not necessarily, but it does help your children kind of correct their behavior. And like, it's a little check, checkpoint, right? Um, and, you know, if you're trying to teach manners, you're just saying, listen, you're welcome to eat this pasta. I know it's your favorite. As long as you use your fork, we're going to use our forks today. And that's how you teach manners and you sit and, you know, you hold the limits while you're eating. Now I want to get into picky eating. And I have to be honest that th this is a complicated topic for me because my one of my sons was an extremely picky eater and still is. It's a sensory processing issue. So there are actual reasons that kids are picky eaters. First off, like toddlers, they are kind of picky. They refuse a food one day. They eat a bunch of food in a row, you know, another day. They have very unregulated eating patterns, totally normal with toddlers. And we don't really need to get all into, into it with toddlers, like exposing, you know, you want to expose them to lots of food, platter the food, like I said, you know, if they're still in a high chair, kind of putting a lot of options out and then just letting them, you know, explore and touch their food and pick it up and smell it. And all that exposure is going to help them feel more comfortable with food. But when we get into preschool, that's when we start to see that's real selective diet. And this is where it, you want to avoid the trap of making special meals for your preschooler because it might end up give, making them more picky as they get older. So they will grow out of it, but only if you expose them to new foods. Now, when it comes to sensory issues, some kids have genuine a food aversion. It's not just control or selectivity because it doesn't feel good or does they don't like it that much. It's like an actual sensory issue for them. So sometimes when a child is a picky eater, you want to be looking at, you know, are they, are they struggling with the texture or the smell or the sight right? Thinking about other areas in their life. Are they restrictive in, in terms of tags and socks and, you know, uh, wind and, you know, what are they, are they very sensitive to sound? Are, if you have a child who seems kind of outside of the norm of what's typical of that age, you might want to talk to your doctor about it and just be like, oh, we're seeing some, you know, sensory issues around food, some food res restriction or food aversion, um, you know, a lot of issues around the tags and like, 
kind of just exploring that with your doctor. The other reasons that kids might be picky is because of physical limitations. They may actually have trouble um, with the, the things that are required in the mouth. It takes 26 muscles to swallow, I found out. And so it, it's a lot of coordination actually to put food in your mouth, to chew it, to move it around between your front teeth and your back teeth, and then, um, you know, pushing your tongue in a way to make the food in a ball that you can swallow it. There's just a lot of parts. So if your child is having some gagging issues around food, you might want to talk to your doctor about that. So, you know, how do you know when to seek help for picky eating? Just if you notice that it's limiting their social development, if they're not gaining weight, if they're having gastro issues, like they're having a lot of diarrhea or they have a lot of constipation, um, then, you know, you probably want to talk to your doctor about that. And then if you have been consistently practicing what I'm going to teach you right now for around six months and it's not working, if your child's still really food averse, then you may need to talk to a professional and like there's um, occupational therapists and they can help give your kids the tools they need to move through their sensory issues. Okay, so here's some actual tips for picky eating. First thing is, you know, serving new foods one at a time. So I like to think of it like, okay, if you have one food that you really want your kid to to grow into eating and feeling comfortable with, pick one and then just have it at the table consistently. So remember, we're, pl- we're plattering our food. So if it's carrots, you're going to um, offer carrots multiple times, you know, many, many times. They're just going to be on the table a lot. When you get to saying, okay, I really want my kid to learn to eat this one food, I want you to, again, be neutral. We can't control it. We're just giving them opportunity. We're um, expanding that opportunity a little bit more. So you can talk about carrots. You can have the food on the table. You can um, have the food on their plate. You know, you can say, you don't need to eat it, but I'd like you to put it on your plate. Um, you can say, you don't need to eat it, but I'd like you to pick it up. You don't need to eat it, but I'd love for you to just put it, just touch it, touch the carrot to your mouth. Again, you don't need to eat it, but if you could just lick it. So we're just getting our kid used to that new food and then slowly asking them if they're willing to put it in their mouth, have one chew, one chew and spit it out. Because our goal is to have them chew it and swallow it. But I want you to see that there are so many different steps that you can take to move them towards that in a very loving and patient way. I want, like, this is not necessary. You don't have to do this. You don't have to decide, like, my kid must eat, you know, green beans. Like, this is, like, so important to me. You can just keep serving green beans and trusting that they'll eventually try them. And most kids will. Most kids don't have severe food aversion, but if they do, then you want to be very patient and offer this new food in a different, you know, slowly. You can also have your child create a never ever list. So you could say, you know what, there, if there's a food that you never, ever, ever, ever want to try, you'd let me know. And I promise I won't ever offer that to you. So you could just to see what like they would come up with, like what foods do they never, ever, ever want? 
You can do a separate plate for different foods if your kids don't want them to touch. It's like working within their own limitations. And and so you can say, you're welcome to have a separate plate at dinner um, as long as, you know, you put the new food on there or, you know, you, you can set a limit around it. You're welcome to have a separate plate as long as you go get it. <laughs> um, so you're kind of involving them in that so they have more agency, more control, and then you, they have a separate plate and then they have, they get that plate or that bowl and they're like, okay, I'm going to put the macaroni and cheese on there, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat it. Okay, no problem. Put it on there. So we're giving our kids power and control while also trusting that the exposure is good. We're going to keep moving towards exposing them and offering them and giving them access to different opportunities. And if we need to set some limits around, you know, you can leave the table once you have touched the food. I would do this really slowly. And the the thing is that you can trust is that, you know, if your child has some food aversion and they have some success with some things that they're nervous about and they realize it's not that bad and it's okay, then their mindset will change around food in general. So you don't have to, um, you know, worry that you're going to do this with every single food. The other fun thing is to just offer two different options, like, like on the table, like apples are great, grapes, carrots are peas, you know, being able to have that, that food available and then you have it out and then they get picked between the two especially if you have a couple kids and like, you know, some like apples and some like grapes and you can say, Hey, we're having fruit. You can have apples or grapes and they're right there, but I don't want to make too much work for you. So you don't always have to offer choices. You can just decide what you want to serve and you can say apples or nothing. (laughs) That's a perfectly good option, right? Take it or leave it. What I want to say in all honesty is that I did do these things with my son and we worked on picky eating for a really long time and you know he did do occupational therapy and we you know I deep dove into trying to help my child grow through his picky adverse you know food aversion and I was not successful (laughs) I think that's the best way to say it um I I think my son has grown and is less food averse than he used to be. He has expanded his repertoire of food, but for a very long time, he only ate five things. Um, when I say that, I'm not exaggerating. He ate yogurt, oatmeal, crackers slash chips, some fruit, and peanut butter sandwiches. That was it. There was no pasta, mac and cheese, rice, uh, like what, what chicken nuggets, like whatever hot dogs, like pizza, like whatever's normal other kids eat. He didn't eat any of those things. And it was extremely painful for me. I felt like a failure. I felt scared. I felt worried that, you know, he was under going to be underweight or that he wasn't going to be socially accepted. I had a lot of anxiety and there was this, you know, and I would, I would, bribe him and have charts and get mad. And I mean, I was all over the map in how I approached this issue. But there was this one point, I don't know how old he was, maybe eight or nine. And I remember being at the park and just in so much, I was by myself just sitting there. 
I think I must have gone on a walk or something. And I was just so mad at him and so frustrated at myself and the situation. And I decided that our relationship was more important than his diet. I just decided that. I was like, you know what? My goal is calories and that's it. And if I get enough calories in this person that he doesn't um, die, right? Like that he lives, then I'm a success. And I redefined success. I redefined my values so that I could have more peace. And I got extremely neutral. And I was just like, I'm just going to make sure this kid has calories. And that saved my relationship with him. So if you have a really picky eater, I am challenging you to become more neutral about it and suggesting that you not lower your expectations necessarily, but you find a little bit more peace and trust the long-term big picture vision is that eventually your kid is going to figure out how to eat. And I actually did hold that value with my son. I was like, you know what? Someday he's going to figure this out. It's probably not going to be this year. It's probably not going to be right now. And he has. He has been figuring out his relationship with food. Is he the best eater? No. Does he eat what we eat at the table? No, he doesn't. He eats whatever he eats. And that's his journey with food. It's not mine. I I don't make it mean anything about my success or failure as a mom. And that is an that is what you can decide as a parent. You can decide that your job is to give access and opportunity and the rest is up to your kid. You can decide my goal is calories and that's it. I'm going to make sure this person stays on the growth chart. And if that's where you're at, that's also okay. It's more about your relationship with your kid than it is about what they eat or whether they sit at the table with you. It is possible though for you to teach your children how to sit at the table and even if they're not eating to say no thank you and be polite and be part of the social and emotional and cultural experiences of eating even if they're physical, um, if they don't take advantage of the physical parts of the dinner plan. All right, this was, you know, I'm not an expert on... um, you know, picky eating or anything like that. But I did want to give you some strategies and I hope that this episode has been helpful for you to find a little more peace and a little more confidence in the way that you run your family and how you provide food for your kids. You're doing a good job, mamas. No matter what you're doing, I want you to just be like, I'm kicking ass and I'm okay. And if you decide to take on one of these challenges, great. If not, also great. All right. I hope you have a great week and that you enjoy some really nice meals with your kids. I will talk to you next time.